Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. Once again, we bring you the thrilling adventures of The Shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The Shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama... Death makes the headlines. Our story opens in Margot Lane's comfortable and tastefully furnished flat. In an easy chair, Lamont Cranston lounges contentedly, watched over by a slightly peeved Margot. Lamont. Lamont Cranston, will you stop reading that paper? Hmm? Oh, in case you haven't noticed, I've been ready to go out for the last 25 minutes. Oh, I'm sorry, Margot. There's a wonderful mystery story running in the Morning Star. This is the first chance I've had to read this installment. The boy didn't deliver a paper to me this morning. Well, in case you've forgotten, we have an engagement to play bridge with the Sloanes tonight. And you know how annoyed they get when we're late? Uh, dull people. Dull or not, we're going. Oh, very well. Just as soon as I finish. Another page or so. Hmm. Well, you might read it to me, too. After all, it isn't very pleasant sitting here just waiting. Oh, I'm sorry, Margot. Oh, it was, I. Oh, yes. Um, Jeff slipped behind the wheel of the Hispano Squeezer and started the engine. Just enough time to make it if we hurry, he said to Mary as she climbed in beside him. Time. It's always a race with time, she replied, as much to herself as to Jeff. His answer was to shove the car into gear violently, and it leapt ahead as if it was some wild thing, picking up speed with every second. Out the driveway they sped. The tires screamed in protest as the car took the corner on two wheels. Please, Jeff, be careful. <laughs> You're not getting nerves at this late stage in the game, are you? Well, it's so dark. I know this road like the palm of my hand. Nothing to worry about. Oh, will it always be this way, Jeff? Are we never to have any peace? Not so long as either he or I am still alive, Mary. Fate has cast us in the role of mortal enemies. One of us has to die Jeff, or... Jeff, look out! There's something on the road! 
I see it. Isn't that the phone? Huh? Uh, yes. What happened after the crash, Lamont? <laughs> well, the story's got you too, eh? Uh, I'd better answer that phone. Hello. Uh, this is Sergeant O'Brien speaking. O'Brien? Oh, this is Cranston. Oh, uh, sorry to bother you, Mr. Cranston, but there's been a serious automobile accident out on the road. Automobile accident? Uh, yes, sir. Robert Ross and his wife, Mary, were killed. Cracked up in his big foreign-built car. Hispano Squeezer, wasn't it? Yes, I believe it was. Uh, you knew Ross, didn't you? Uh, enough to identify him? Yes, I think so. Uh, would you come out here and do so? I'll be there in 30 minutes. Lamont, what about our bridge with the Sloanes? I'm afraid we'll have to forget about that for tonight, Margot. Oh, what shall I tell them? What excuse can I make? Tell them that fate has dealt us a very unusual hand, and we'd like to play the game through to the end. You see, Margot, I have an idea that Robert Ross was murdered. Not much farther now, is it, Lamont? No, we're on the Rosano Road now. Lamont, what makes you think it's something more than an accident? Robert Ross was the man who owned the Morning Star, Margot, the paper in which the mystery story written by Paul Socrates appeared. But I don't see... Well, my Margot, don't you see the parallel? The accident described in the story I was reading actually happened exactly as the author portrayed it. Oh, then you think... I don't think anything yet, Margot. I'm going to find out. Well, that looks like the place up there ahead. Just a minute there, mister. No traffic through here. You'll have to take the detour. Hello, O'Brien. Oh, oh, Mr. Cranston, I didn't recognize you for a minute. Glad you could get here. Hello, Miss Lane. Hello, Sergeant O'Brien. Uh, would you like to come with me, Mr. Cranston? You can leave the car here. Yes. Now, you better stay here, Margot. I won't be long. Yes. All right, Lamont. Uh, give me a summary of what happened, O'Brien. Nothing much to tell, Mr. Cranston. All we know is... Ross and his wife were visiting Jim Davis, managing editor of his paper. They left rather early. Five minutes or less after they left his house, Davis says he heard a crash and an explosion and uh, went to investigate. Then Davis must have called the police. Yes, that's right. Well, where's Davis now? He's gone back to the city, to his office in the Morning Star building. I see. Morning Star building, eh? Yes. Um, there's the card, or what's left of it after the fire down in that valley. The breakdown gang recovered both bodies. Mrs. Ross was burned beyond recognition. But Mr. Ross was thrown clear. And, uh, well, uh, this isn't going to be very pleasant, Mr. Cranston. I understand, uh, Brian. Now, don't worry about me. I'm not squeamish. Uh, just a moment. I'll, I'll pull back the tarpaulin. Hmm. Yes, that's Robert Ross, all right. Uh, thanks, Mr. Cranston. You'll be wanted to testify at the coroner's inquest, but that's all for tonight. I'll walk back with you to your car. Uh, how do you suppose it happened, O'Brien? Well, Davis said that Ross had been drinking. Coming down that long hill from Davis's home, he probably lost control of the wheel and skidded off the road. Yes, well, I'm afraid you're wrong on both scores, O'Brien. Hmm? Why do you say that? Ross never drinks. I know that to be a fact. Is that right? And you say that the car skidded off the road. Well, didn't it? I don't think so. Here, give me a torch. Here you are. Thank you. Now, look at this. These are the tire marks from Ross's car. See, they're clean and clear, not broad and blurred as they would be if the car had skidded. You're right, Mr. Cranston. He didn't skid. Well, how do you explain it? O'Brien, before that car cracked up and burned, both Ross and his wife were dead. (laughs) 
Davis is too busy to see anyone now, sir. Well, tell him that it concerns the Robert Ross case. I'm sure he'll see us. But I... Now, tell him that, please. Very well. I'll do what I can. Just wait here, please. Do you think he'll see us, Lamont? Well, it's a little too early for theories, Margot. But Davis should be able to answer several interesting questions, seeing that he was the last man to see Ross alive. Mr. Cranston, Miss Lane, will you come in, please? Oh, thanks. Come on, Margot. Now, Mr. Cranston, Miss Lane, what is it you know about the Ross business? I've come here to ask you a few questions, Mr. Davis. Oh, so that's it, eh? Hello. Tell Mac to come in here, right away. I've got some work for him. You were the last person to see Ross alive, Mr. Davis. Uh, well, what concern is that of yours? Uh, are you from the police? Not exactly, Davis. But I don't think you'd better have us thrown out, just yet. Not until you hear what I have to say. What do you want, boss? Um, uh, nothing, nothing. It was a mistake. I'll call you if I want you, Mac. All right, boss. All right. You win. What is it? That's better. Uh, you made a statement to the police, Mr. Davis, concerning the dead man, Robert Ross. Yes? You said Ross had been drinking before he left your home. Yes, what about it? I happen to know that Ross doesn't drink. You know? How do you know? Mr. Davis, what am I going to do about the proofs of the mystery serial? Proofs? Why bother me? See, Hotchner, he's the fiction editor. I can't find him. He's nowhere in the building. Wait a minute. What are we worrying about proofs for? We're running the same installment we ran yesterday anyway, because it parallels the actual story of Ross's death so closely. Now, that's just it, Mr. Davis. Paul Socrates, the author, called and said he didn't write it the way it was printed. Didn't write it the way it was printed? Uh, no, sir, no. He says he never wrote the accident scene. So someone tampered with his script. But, but Hotchner put his okay on the proofs yesterday, didn't he? You read it off the linotype as it was in the manuscript, didn't you, Wilson? Yes. Oh, more trouble. What's Paul Socrates' telephone number? Uh, BY6361. All right, I'll phone him in a minute. But in the meantime, we are running the story just as it appeared yesterday. That's all I wanted to know. I'm sorry about the interruption. You needn't but... apologize, Mr. Davis. I find them very interesting. Interesting? Yes, because it confirms my suspicions that Robert Ross and his wife were murdered. Lamont, why should someone want to make changes in the mystery serial? What relation does that have to Ross's death? And why did Davis lie about Ross drinking? <laughs> One question at a time, Margot. Well, does it tie together? I think it all will when I find a few more of the missing pieces of the puzzle. There's one person who can help considerably. Who's that? The author of the mystery serial, Paul Socrates. He can tell me what he had written in the original manuscript. In some way, I think the script holds the key to the actual mystery. And the shadow is going to see him tonight. Confound that phone. Won't it ever stop? Good. <laughs> Can't you find what you're looking for? What? Who's there? I can't see anyone. No man has ever seen the shadow and lived. What are you doing in Paul Socrates' flat? I, I know it doesn't look too good, but I... What are you looking for? The manuscript. 
Paul Socrates' original manuscript. Then you know that his manuscript has been tampered with. Yes, you see, I'm the fiction editor on the Morning Star. Then your name is Hutchner, Howard Hutchner. I think you'd better tell me what you know. Yes, yes. I saw Paul's script before it was published. Did you okay the proofs that were used in the paper? Yes, but I thought he had made late changes. Now, you believe he didn't make those changes, is that right? Oh, I don't know what to believe. Perhaps he made the changes himself. If he didn't, that might point suspicion at you, Mr. Hotchner. Shadow, David and Ross had been quarreling constantly about the paper, his policy, how it should be run. Ross threatened several times to withdraw his money. I see. Now we have a motive. Then you're accusing Davis of planning the murder of his managing director, Robert Ross. I'm not accusing him of anything. I just want to clear myself. You seem very anxious to stay out of trouble, Hotchner, if you're innocent. Shadow, this is something most people don't know. I have a criminal record, something I've been trying to live down. If it's found that Ross was murdered, I want to have cast-iron proof of my innocence. I see. How did you get into this flat? Socrates called me and left a message for me to come here. When I arrived, I found the door open. Wait a minute. Something's burning. Quick, there's smoke coming from that door. Open the door. That's the bedroom. <coughs> there's so much smoke, I... I can't see. On the bed. There's a body on the bed. It's Paul. I'll, I'll carry him up. There. Paul. Paul. It's no use, Hotchner. Paul Socrates is dead. We'll return to the shadow in just a moment. And now, back to the shadow. It is some time later, and Cranston is back in Margot's apartment. Well, you've made up your mind it's Davis who's guilty, huh? Well, who else could it be? Didn't he lie about Ross's drinking? Yes. I'll bet he made the changes in the manuscript, too. That's possible. But who killed Paul Socrates, the writer? Well, couldn't he have done that, too? Not unless he can be in two places at once. I left him at the newspaper office. Less than half an hour later, I found Paul Socrates burnt to death in his flat. Hmm. Well, what about Hotchner? I'm inclined to believe that he's innocent, too. Of course, the big question at the moment is, why was Socrates killed? Well, I'm sure it's all... Mm. <coughs> Hello. Mr. Cranston? Yes. Oh, this is Sergeant O'Brien. Remember you asked me to let you know if anything new turned up on the Ross case? Oh, yes, O'Brien. Well, the commissioner has arrested Hotchner for the murder of Paul Socrates, that writer fellow. Oh, sounds like Weston. Anything else? Yes. Something that has the whole department in a turmoil. Oh, what's that? The autopsy's on the bodies of both Ross and his wife. Yes? No trace of alcohol was found in Ross's brain. Just as you said, he couldn't have been drinking. Hmm, I see. Anything else? Perhaps you'll think that we're all a little out of our minds down here, but... Uh, well, go well, on. The medical examiner's report showed that Ross and his wife didn't die as a result of either the accident or the fire that followed. What was the cause of the death, O'Brien? Well, this is what sounds absolutely crazy. But they died from suffocation caused by drowning. (laughs) 
You've got a visitor, Hotchner. Visitor? Who is it? Lamont Cranston. I'll be back in five minutes, Mr. Cranston. Who are you? What do you want? I want to help you, Hotchner. I've had quite a bit of experience in criminal detection. Well, anyway, I've gone all over your case. I've read the statements you made to the police, and I believe you're innocent. <laughs> it's a pity the police don't agree with you. I've just had a talk with Commissioner Weston, and I think I've convinced him that he hasn't got a case against you. Then they're going to let me go? No, they wanted to, but I insisted that you stay right where you are. What? What kind of help is that? Well, you're safer right where you are. The murderer... Murderer? Then you know who it is? Not yet. But the important thing at this moment is that he knows who you are, and also that you know something that can trap him. He'll try to kill you. I don't believe you. He's saying this to get me to say something that might convict me. Well, I don't know anything. And I'm not saying anything. I don't know, Hotchner. Of course, your past isn't going to help your case any. You... You know about that too, eh? Well, what do you want to know? This morning, another installment of Paul Socrates' story appeared in the Morning Star. It was supposedly written before his death. Yes, what of it? Nothing much, except that this episode duplicates almost exactly what took place in Paul Socrates' flat when you found him murdered. But I don't remember that scene in the original story, and I read it through when the paper bought it. You're sure of that? Of course I'm sure. What did Davis say about that? He says he never read the story. He bought it on your recommendation. Oh, so he's putting it all on my shoulders, is he? Now, there's just one other point. What's that? I'm sure that the murderer intended to kill you, too. That's why you got the call to come to Paul Socrates' flat. But the call came from Paul himself. Now, how can you be sure? You said he called and left a message for you. You didn't speak to him. Oh, that's right. Perhaps I am safer here. Time's up, Mr. Cranston. All right. Well, I'll see you tomorrow, Hotchner. Thanks for coming here. Perhaps I have a chance of clearing myself now. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, something came for you this morning. I forgot to give it to you. What is it? This fountain pen. Here. Huh? Well, thanks. It's been passed. Warden took it out of the package. Who sent it to you, Hotchner? I don't know. Oh, wait, there's a, a note wrapped around it. Thought perhaps you'd like to write... Write your will. What kind of joke is this? Don't unscrew the top. Hotch now. But I... Mr. Davis? Mr. Davis? Yes, Joe? I have the latest circulation figures here. You wanted to see them. The paper's going terrifically since these murders. Oh, they've given it an amazing boost. Oh, yes? <laughs> Pretty good, aren't they, Mr. Davis? Good. Why, they're amazing. We've doubled their circulation in the last three days. You never saw anything like it before in my life. Must be the combination of real-life mystery on the front page and the fiction mystery on the feature page. <laughs> it certainly is amazing the way those two stories, the real and the make-believe, run almost exactly alike. Yes, quite a coincidence. Mm, pity Mr. Ross isn't here to see it. Remember the way he used to rant and rave about our low circulation figures? Um, uh, Joe, uh, step into the office a minute. I want to talk to you. Oh, certainly, Mr. Davis. Um, Joe, I want you to do something for me. What is it, Mr. Davis? I want you to have a little lapse of memory. You think you can do it? 
I don't understand. I want you to forget that you ever heard Mr. Ross and me arguing. Huh? Oh, don't ask why. Just do it. There'll be a nice fat raise in your pay envelope this next page, Joe. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> Anything you say, Mr. Davis, you can depend on me, all right. I'm certain I can, Joe. You busy, Mr. Davis? No, no, I'll be right with you. I'll talk to you about that again, Joe. Oh, no need to, Mr. Davis. I'll keep quiet. A fool. What? Uh, nothing, nothing. Well, what do you want, Wilson? Just uh, who's going to okay my linotype proofs now, Mr. Davis? Now that uh, Hotchner isn't here. Are those the proofs in your hand? The proofs of the mystery story? Yes. Well, just leave them on my desk. I'll read them myself. All right. Uh, just a minute, Wilson. What do you know about this business? Want me to keep my mouth shut about your fights with Mr. Ross, too, Chief? What? Are you trying to insinuate... I can keep quiet for a consideration. Do you realize that this is blackmail? You've got a guilty conscience. You ought to be ready to pay me. Get out of here. Get out of my office. You're fired. <laughs> All right. No need to get steamed up over it. Mr. Davis, what do you want? I have an order for your arrest. Arrest? What for? For the murder of Robert Ross and Howard Hotchner. to tell me that this has all been a hoax? That I'm not under arrest after all? That's right, Mr. Davis. And this man is not really a policeman? Oh, I'm that all right, Mr. Davis, but I'm just off duty right now. Just doing a little extra work for Mr. Cranston. Isn't that right, Sergeant O'Brien? Yes, Miss Lane. Then I insist that you take me back to my office at once. That's where we are taking you, Mr. Davis. Then why have you done all this? I'd like an explanation. And it had better be good. If you'll just calm down a moment, we'll try to give you one. Very well. First, Mr. Davis, have you had a chance to proofread the last installment of Paul Socrates' mystery novel that runs on your paper? No, not yet. Well, you're going back to your office and read it. I think you'll find it most interesting. I did. Well, I don't see why I should. Read about your own death. My death? You mean... I mean exactly what I said. And after I've read the proofs, what then? Then, Mr. Davis, you will be the bait in the trap. The trap that will catch the murderer. Bruce Wilson, I haven't had a chance to read them yet. But I thought that... You thought that I'd been arrested for the murders of Ross and Hosner, didn't you? I was here when they came for you. Let us say I got away from them. Let us say that I came back to get hold of the real murderer. No, don't reach for that phone. All right. It doesn't matter. The police will get you eventually. You're the real murderer, aren't you, Wilson? <laughs> You'll never prove it. No, nor the police either. So you admit it? I don't admit anything. But I know how it was done. Tell me. Very clever of you, Mr. Davis. Very clever. <laughs> On second thoughts, I will tell you. Because you'll never tell anybody. <laughs> My name's not Wilson. My real name is Ross. Robert Ross was my brother. Your brother? I was the black sheep. Disinherited by my father. 
Robert got all the money. Money which should have been mine. Money which he squandered on his paper, getting nothing in return. I couldn't stand it any longer. The night he came to your house, I waited for him. I killed him and his wife, too. Placed him at the wheel of his car and started it down the hill. I'm beginning to see it all now. But why did you kill Paul Socrates, the serial writer, and then Hotchner, my fiction editor? I'd used them to cover up my crime. Socrates' story I changed to parallel the real crime. This to confuse the police. Then I murdered Hoshner so he wouldn't be able to reveal that he knew how the original story had been changed. Almost a perfect crime, Wilson. Let me congratulate you. Not quite perfect yet, Davis. It will be with your death. You'll never get away with it, Wilson. I think I will. No one knows my story but you. You'll never be able to get out of this building. It's surrounded by police. I'll get out. <laughs> I was able to get out and get to Hotchner in prison, wasn't I? I'll get out of this. Do you see what I have in my hand? A test tube. It contains a deadly liquid that becomes a gas on contact with the air. A gas that destroys the lining of the lung immediately. You'll drown in your own blood, Davis. <laughs> I don't think you'll break that, Wilson. What's that? That voice. Where are you? You can't see the shadow, but he's here in this room with you. Whether I can see you or not, the gas will kill you too. Stop him, Shadow. He can't stop me. If I'm caught, we'll all die. All of us. Stop. Wilson. There. Now. <laughs> Why don't we die, Wilson? I don't understand the, the gas. There was no liquid gas in the sealed tube, Wilson, because I substituted the original for one filled with water. Water? Yes, Wilson. You'll live to pay for your crime. So you see, Margot, it was really the action of Wilson's poison gas on the lungs of his victims that made it appear to be drowning in the autopsies. Then you suspected Wilson for some time, Lamont. From the time Hotchner died, I knew how the crimes were committed. By eliminating the suspects one by one... In which task Mr. Wilson gave you a great deal of assistance. Hmm. Too much. Now, seriously, Margot, he was a dangerous criminal. I'm glad he's where he won't be able to do any more harm. You're not any happier than that about... than I am. That case had me pretty worried. I... I'll never pick up another mystery novel without remembering it. Oh, that reminds me. What are we stopping for? Well, I've got to get the first edition of The Bugle... Oh, there's a newsstand at the corner. What for, Lamont? There's a new mystery novel starting in the Bugle, and I want to be sure to get my copy. You... Oh, Lamont! Another adventure of The Shadow is over. Shall you reap evil? Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs>